0: And you can use ChatGBT as your actual interface layer into generating those prompts for you, right? And so there's this thing in ChatGBT where you can teach it like a formula. There's a thing called MidJourney, and I kind of you kind of explain it to explain to ChatGBT what MidJourney is. And then you say, like, using this format, generate me some prompts. It generated like five prompts for me. Wow. So you don't have to even know about MidJourney. You have an interface into ChatGBT or something like it that says, generate me an image of... And it generates the prompts and then it passes them into Midjourney. So why
1: does this scare you?
0: Once you automate things like social media to that level, because it could also write whatever you want to put as the text for this social media also, right? So once you've automated all of that, what's really content? What what's really human ideas and what are just being generated by these computers that are being trained by the data set being generated by the computers?
1: with Bitcoin podcast. I'm Mandana.
0: And I'm Ian. And And we're we're the the Recephes.
1: My husband Ian is a Bitcoin enthusiast, but I am not. Each week, he tries to teach me something about Bitcoin and Bitcoin adoption. We have a lot of fun with it.
0: But I'm not trying to overwhelm you with technical analysis and price targets, babe.
1: You promise?
0: I promise.
1: And I promise we won't overwhelm you with ads. That's because we operate on the value for value business model. What's that? Instead of reading off a bunch of ads, we're going to keep things a little more personal, intimate, if you will. If you enjoy the show, meaning it brings you some value, consider supporting us. That support can be sharing the pod on your socials, recommending us to a friend, and yes, even sending us some money.
0: And since I'm the Bitcoiner, I prefer Bitcoin. And you can send us some on our favorite podcasting app, Fountain.
1: If you want to learn more about the pod, go to flirtingwithbitcoin.com. To all our heads out there, keep making and sharing clips of the show. We may make the content, but without you, all I'm really doing here is flirting with my husband in front of a microphone. Y'all ready? I am. Let's go. Hey Ian.
0: Hey Mandana. Hola. Guten Tag. Bonjourno. Konnichiwa. Hello. We hola for Brazil.
1: And Noruz Mubarak to anyone celebrating around the world. Uh, and if you're not celebrating, I recommend you give it a shot next year cuz Noruz is the best holiday ever.
0: Yeah, Noruz and um, the having might fall around the same time.
1: Really? Oh, because how how far out does it take to know when... Um...
0: It starts coming this way towards us. But so right it... now it thinks it's going to be like April, uh-huh. but it's like the first week in April. Ah. And so as we get closer, and depending on how fast the blocks come in yeah. and the difficulty adjustment, it might come closer to, to Noru's.
1: Oh, that's great.
0: And mainly because one of the things that's been happening in Bitcoin recently is... Uh, the hash rate's been hitting like all-time highs this year. Mm-hmm. So when the hash rate's going up, that means the blocks are coming in faster.
1: And remind me, hash rate is when you have a lot of miners?
0: Um, it's not the number of miners. It's the number, it's the amount of compute power that is being used oh, by the, the Bitcoin network. of
1: the computers of the yeah. miners. Okay.
0: okay. So a good example would be like Bitcoin's um, hash power. I just read this before we started recording. Um, Bitcoin's hash power is like three times the equivalent of like AWS and Google Cloud compute combined. Nice, right? So it's like That's all a big of deal, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So as that increases, that means that the blocks will come in faster, but the difficulty adjustment will try to keep them as close to ten minutes as possible. But every time a block comes in faster than ten minutes, it ticks closer to Norus.
1: Cool, cool. So what time is it, babe?
0: The current time is seven eight three. 039, and we're approximately 1463 blocks since our last episode.
1: And if I gave you a dollar, how many acres could I get on Sunny Bitcoin Island right now?
0: So, right now, you can get 3530 uh, acres for a dollar on Bitcoin Island. However, I want to add on to that because uh, I was talking to one of my friends the other day, and to try to make this point, um, I had to pull up that website that we talked about before, Priced in Bitcoin. That talks about all the other things like houses and cars and stuff like that being priced in Bitcoin. So, I think a topic that's like pretty applicable for today is like the price of eggs, right? Sure. So, you can get an acre on Bitcoin Island for 3,500 sats, right? How much do you think a dozen eggs cost on Bitcoin Island? I don't know, but
1: I think you'll tell me.
0: Yeah. First,
1: yeah. tell me how much a dozen eggs are, and then tell me how much a chicken is, because maybe it's just time we buy a chicken. <laughs>
0: Sorry if it wasn't you, Hunter, but Hunter SF would say chicken math is hard.
1: Yeah, there's like a lot of other things that you need to buy.
0: <laughs> well, no, just the math of like how many chickens should I have if yeah. I want a certain number of eggs and all this fun stuff. Man,
1: I remember like 10 years ago, this girl I went to high school with on Facebook um, had rented chickens.
0: You can do that. Which
1: you can do. Yeah. And she post a lot about it. And I was like, this is genius. Because you do it, and then like the the thrill (laughs) of having chickens kind of passes, and you you send them back.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, the space that we have in our backyard, you could easily put a chicken run back there. Yeah. And you know, based on the amount of space that chickens need, I mean, we could have like twenty chickens.
1: (laughs) What a life. Which would, but that would produce
0: you like you know five to six eggs a day. Mm
1: -hmm. That's it.
0: A day? You don't even eat six eggs a day.
1: I could. Well, I would eat three, you would eat three. Okay,
0: fine. Let's say 12. Keon
1: will have one.
0: Let's say 12 eggs a day, uh-huh. right? What do you do with all those extra eggs?
1: I'll figure it
0: out. But but back to the price of eggs, right? On Bitcoin Island, yeah. eggs are worth more than the dollar, right? Like, would you rather have a dollar or would you rather have eggs? Oh,
1: yeah. I see what you're right? saying.
0: So a dozen eggs on Bitcoin Island is 7,000 Satoshis, uh-huh. right? Which I think that's a little off. By this site, because that means it's about two dollars for yeah. a dozen of eggs,
1: but which one has that been the case?
0: But decades ago, but the point is, is that like I don't know where they're getting their data set from. So this isn't like the price of mm-hmm. eggs at the store. Yeah, this is probably more like the commodity price of mm-hmm. eggs, and then they get marked up and yep. for. So everyone knows that the price of eggs has gone up. Right. Everyone's aware of this. Mm -hmm. Everyone's complaining about this. Right. If you were living on Bitcoin Island, however, the price of eggs has gone down 70 percent in the last three years.
1: Hey.
0: Right. It's gone down 17 percent in the last month. So just during this period of like, oh, my God, things are inflating. Things are inflating. If you've been living on a Bitcoin standard, the world has actually been getting cheaper for you, especially since the beginning of this year. Because the price of Bitcoin has appreciated also, which really means the dollar has depreciated.
1: Yeah. So like after Keon was born, it's all it's been looking up, right?
0: It's been going up the whole year. You know, we talked about that before you went into the to the hospital. That was like the episode before mm-hmm. he was born, which was like everything's been going up this year um, asset wise because everyone's looking at the situation that's going on and realizing like the Fed is going to have to make more money. hmm. And if they make more money, that just means the price of hard assets is going to go up and Bitcoin is one of those. The reason why I'm bringing up the price of eggs is that like he brought that up in our conversation, right? He was like, I don't know, man, eggs are expensive. I can't be buying Bitcoin instead of eggs. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Actually, if you had bought Bitcoin instead of eggs, eggs would be cheaper.
1: That's fine. Right?
0: And so and that was just like a little thing that I wanted, I wanted to bring up. So like, I feel like at the start of the show, like the acres for a dollar or you know that's like a good thing but like real things also uh-huh. are are having their prices fluctuate and eventually you know eggs will be like 700 satoshis
1: you know i'm really curious when our farmer's market opens up how much a dozen eggs are going to be from our farmer that we normally get them from because they've been closed for the winter our farmer's market but it previously was six dollars a dozen so I mean, we'll see if she's increased her price
0: so, I would suspect that based on how they run that business, it'll either be $6 or $7. Yeah. Um, but I would not be surprised if her price hasn't changed. Because she's selling it. Her inputs are, I don't want to say fixed, but her inputs aren't for like a large scale agricultural or supply Or she's a chain.
1: capitalist and she's just going to be like, it's $9 now. Because it's going to be cheaper than what you get at the store.
0: Maybe. Yeah. Or it's $6. It's cheaper than at the store. You should come to the farmer's market more often and buy more eggs from me. Yeah. And then she'll go buy those chickens that you were just talking about. Ah. Right? Because she has a lower expense. Like for her yeah. business, her her expenses are lower. That's why she can charge 6 Yeah. So maybe she'll raise the price. Maybe not. Yeah. I don't I'm know. I'm hoping not. But the point that I'm getting at here is like if I were her, I would keep the price at what it is. And just let people realize, wait, they're cheaper at the farmer's market. Stop going to Yes or stop going to Safeway or stop going to Whole Foods and just find a farmer's market.
1: It's time for shout outs. First, thanks for all of the love you've shown us in celebrating the birth of our child Our baby boy, Keon. It's really sweet. Like the We Missed You messages are so nice. And it's so cool to see like how many parents listen to the pod and like parents of young children. Uh, That's really cool. It makes it definitely makes me feel more connected to all of you guys. So I mean, we're just one month into this. But (laughs) if we have like parenting uh, woes or questions or experiences that we want to share, I feel like we could do this on the pod as well, even though this is a Bitcoin pod. Maybe eventually it'll become like a Bitcoin parenting pod. What do you think, babe?
0: There's a lot of Bitcoiners that are parents. Yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of non-Bitcoiners that don't have any kids.
1: People be procreating. Um,
0: you know, we talked about it in one of the episodes before. I think Bitcoin kind of drives you more towards having a family. And I think people who don't get Bitcoin probably also don't want to have a family. Because
1: they don't see like, hope in the future.
0: I don't want to, like, speculate why those two things correlate. I'm just saying that I think people who don't want a family or or don't want that lifestyle, you, you, you don't plan on having anything to leave to someone. So you're not really thinking about, like, what is it that I own and what would I leave to someone after me? They're just living for themselves.
1: Yeah, but like the situation is more urgent than that today, right? Like, do I have enough to survive in retirement? Do I have enough to survive 10 years from now?
0: I look at Bitcoin as this like this filter. And the filter is, do you understand the broken system? Yes or no? If yes, are you looking for solutions? And I think a lot of people that don't get Bitcoin, don't see the problem, aren't looking for solutions to the problem and are living in a world that is so designed to like eat itself mm-hmm. that no one ever expects to leave anything to anyone
1: yeah
0: right it's like no one ex- we don't expect to get social security yeah we don't. right like it's it's a thing we pay into and mm-hmm. we know we're probably not going to get it and here we are like here we are in the moment where it's probably going to end up that we don't get it
1: yeah
0: like that's the type of financial situation that we're in right now and for everyone who still thinks they're going to get it and they're in their 30s, this is going to be a harsh like, wake-up lesson. All that partying and drinking and spending money at bars that you did, that was your retirement because the government is not providing it for you. That's what we're going to see probably play out in the next like five to seven years. That's what's going on in France right now. Mm-hmm. They're protesting and burning Paris over like having to retire two years later, which I don't want to... Like, Make that sound like it's nothing, but like...
1: We never did that every time they push back our retirement age.
0: Sure. Uh, and, and so the French are like, they have a really good system where like, I think it was like at 55, you could retire. And it's just been like slowly ticking up and they're saying enough is enough. But like, they're also in that financial moment where it's like, we have to take something away from everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think in America, everyone just got Obamacare. Maybe they'll get rid of Obamacare, but I think they're going after Social Security and I think they're going after Medicare, Medicaid, all that stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. They've been trying to for decades.
0: Right. And I don't think that it's uh, a try anymore. I think it's going to be like either we do this or the United States is on paper, the world can see, is bankrupt. You don't start doing anything to clean that up. (laughs) Why would anybody want to invest in your country and and your people? And, you know, when they say like the dollar is backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government and economy, it's like you're going to have a bunch of out of work, unhealthy people. Uh, I'm taking my talents to Singapore, right? I'm taking my talents to somewhere else. But yeah, like that's the moment that we're in right now. We are in the moment of massive reforms happening because there's no alternative. And the bitcoiners i think are just like 5 to 10 years ahead of like everyone in realizing that that's what's about to happen but like there's other parts of the world right now that are experiencing it like france and it's going to happen all western countries because this like entitlement state doesn't work when you get rid of fiat money and bitcoin's kind of getting rid of fiat money so you can't just print it to to pay social security you're going to have to have something real to give people in retirement and the government the United States government in particular does not have it
1: well speaking of giving real things to people shout out to our boosters <laughs> on Fowin, Uh booster of the week is Alexis and uh, other notable boosts we got from T Joel N 39 Hunter SF 770 Al Al Cool J I love sushi defunct mode Zordon and new blessy Thanks for listening. We appreciate you and all the love you continue to give us. Okay, babe. So, like, we tried to record a couple days ago, and it didn't work. Did not. Yeah, Keon was not having it. Baby's gonna baby.
0: Yeah, he was just, you know... Living his life. Just didn't really want to go along with the podcast.
1: Yeah, we actually record in the basement. So I think he was like, Where, Why am I here? What is this cold place? Get me out of here. But he's quiet right now. I don't know. He's been cooing. Do you think the mic picks it up? Yes. Aw, so our listeners can hear him.
0: I mean, if he makes a noise when we're both talking, either we cut it out or it's going to be in there. I'll leave it in there. We only have one mic. We don't have like.
1: Yeah, we're not a sophisticated setup yet. Um, But I keep telling Ian, we need to auto-tune his coups.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right after you get your soundboard. It's
1: going to happen. I don't actually know what you want us to talk about today because I don't know if new things have happened since what you were planning on talking to me about last time we tried to record. But I have a few things I want to talk about. First, I want to talk about TikTok, which you did have some opinions on it. But like the CEO of TikTok uh, testified before Congress and that's
0: not the CEO of TikTok.
1: Oh, no, he's not the CEO. What is he?
0: Sorry, sorry. Um, this is. Yes, he is the CEO of TikTok US. Right. He is not the CEO of TikTok.
1: Yeah, he's not. That
0: is the Chinese government.
1: Yeah, which is what he said like five times in his hearing. The other thing I want to talk about is chat AI, what's happening around that. If you have any opinions on it, or the not you specifically, but like how it connects to Bitcoin. I think Elon Musk and Steve Wozniak and some other tech leaders just signed this letter saying like, we need to halt all AI, open AI development because it's go- going off course and yada, yada, yada. So yeah, I think both of those things that have been happening where I'm like in a you know newborn baby haze where I'm like, huh, what's going on? Like I'll peek in for a second and then Keon cries and I'm like, I don't have time for this. How is the Bitcoin community like talking about these things? And is there enough of a consensus on how they're like absorbing or making opinions on what's happening and how the mainstream media is talking about these things. I'm assuming they're like not telling the full story on either of them.
0: Um. Yeah, so let's start with TikTok. So on the surface, what's been going on looks like the United States government is tired of TikTok basically operating the way that it does, namely that it harvests Facebook and everyone else does it also. But TikTok harvests a large amount of data from its users. And there are and, a
1: lot of users.
0: And it's the number one social media platform. And it's not controlled by an American company. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not controlled by an American. So on the surface, it looks like the United States government is putting its foot down. Uh, maybe it thinks that China is using this information that it's gathering uh, via its U.S. subsidiary to like influence Americans and make our kids dumber. I think we got some pretty dumb kids already that... TikTok is just showing us all the dumb kids, but whatever.
1: You know, it's really interesting because I'm a big TikTok user. I actually don't use a lot of other social media anymore. TikTok prepared me for motherhood. It got me through my pregnancy. You know, if if you use TikTok, like there's always these different parts of TikTok. So there's like pregnancy TikTok. There's mom talk. um, There's a million other places, subjects or whatever that you just add talk behind. And that's the hashtag that you can follow. But um, TikTok, uh, whether it was just like the For You page algorithm or I'm assuming TikTok itself was pushing it, was like putting a lot of content creators are creating stuff, um, commenting on, on what they think the U.S. government is trying to do. And TikTokers are coming out and saying like, well, this is a platform that actually is bringing people together. It's showing information that the other platforms are suppressing. And they post different topics and they're like, look this up on Instagram, look this up on TikTok and you'll see stark differences. And one of them is actually France. And so it was really interesting. Someone um, someone does a screen record on their phone and they have Instagram open and they just look up France on the search and you see like croissants and you know, Paris Fashion Week and da, da 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 And then they do it on TikTok and it's like the massive protests and the footage of the protests and people breaking down what's happening in France right now. Um, and so there's different examples of that. Um, sure, but
0: like look up Uyghurs on TikTok and look up yeah, Uyghurs yeah. on Instagram. Everyone's got their bias.
1: Everyone's got their bias, yes. But I think it's really interesting how um, people that are on TikTok. And I don't necessarily know, I would assume the platform is suppressing the criticisms of TikTok, um, but how TikTokers have come out like, I'm like diehard for this app. Whereas for me as a user of TikTok, I'm like, I'll enjoy it while I can because if they get rid of it, they get rid of it. But it is still pretty wild that they think that it's okay to get rid of a whole social media platform and to set the precedent for that, which I assume is like at its core what Bitcoiners... Are
0: concerned about why why i've started this this explanation off with as on the surface it appears is that if you actually read what's in this like bill that would give the government the power to ban tiktok i mean it's basically the patriot act for the internet mm. it is wild they're using tiktok as a as like a foil to say like we need these powers to deal with TikTok when everyone can obviously say like well don't these other platforms have the same problem like but no it's and they led
1: the way for it
0: (laughs) it has nothing to do with TikTok that is what I believe um, I've seen some decent analysis of that particular bill from people on Twitter and I've seen the conversation I think a lot of people are starting to come around to the idea that Based on what's in there, the tools are there to attempt to ban Bitcoin or ban websites that want to get paid in Bitcoin or bi- like like they did with online poker. Mm-hmm. And so,
1: oh, right. Because you showed me the language of the bill and the term currency or financial is in there. If it
0: threatens the financial stability of the United States, it can be shut down.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Paraphrasing, but that's, that's in there. Mm-hmm. And so, well, what threatens the financial stability of the United States more than Bitcoin? Yeah. Right? Like, what threatens it more than Bitcoin? No one, no country on this planet threatens the financial stability of the United States more than this nebulous internet money that's only 14 years old. That is the biggest threat to the United States is financial stability. That language is in this bill. This whole TikTok thing is a smokescreen. You heard it here first, people. You probably <laughs> didn't. But that's my opinion, right? And I was skeptical. Check out. I was skeptical when this all started going down because it's like, yeah, we were going to ban TikTok before. Uh, now we're banning it again. I feel
1: like Trump talked about it, I think, three years ago.
0: Well, this is my point, is that I think when it was talked about before, the plan wasn't to use any new powers to ban TikTok. They were just trying to take TikTok away and actually sever the connection between TikTok U.S. and the TikTok in China Mm -hmm. and say, the TikTok U.S. can stay. We just want proof that it has no backdoors Mm -hmm. that's sending data to China. There was no real bill that says we need new powers to deal with this. This new attack on TikTok has a bill that's going along with it that has nothing to do with TikTok.
1: And has aggressive bipartisan support.
0: It has aggressive bipartisan support. So
1: that should always (coughs) let you know that it's not good.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Because they did this before, people have already spotted the signs. So before, it was called Operation Choke Point. It's a thing that's documented. They did it. They've admitted, like, it's all there, right? And this is just Operation Choke Point 2.0. That's all this is. It's just that when they did it before, they obviously had to do some, like, maneuvering, they have their game plan and they said, well, if we had these powers, Operation Choke Point would have been a lot easier.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: give us these powers. The, t- the Bitcoiners, that is what they're all focusing on is choke 2.0. And so when you say it's choke 2.0, that has a lot of other connotation that I won't get into because that's a whole episode in and of itself. But that was a thing that they actually did. That was the Obama administration going after things they didn't like. Via the banking system. Yeah,
1: maybe we do need to do an episode on that because I don't know much about that.
0: Well, so like... I don't don't
1: know about this choke. I don't know. I've never heard that term.
0: A lot of people haven't, right? But I knew about it. They don't
1: want you to hear it. They don't want you to know.
0: They don't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I knew about it because at the time I was playing online poker. Mm -hmm. And so online poker just became almost impossible to do. Um, That's when... uh...
1: I can't imagine you playing online poker. Why not? because you're just not doing you weren't doing that when we met were you?
0: No, this was like 2008. That's nine. what I'm saying this like way this, before we met. That's
1: what I'm saying. I just can't imagine you like on your computer gambling money.
0: I mean, I'm good at it. Yeah. I just it's not it's not for me. I've it's, seen
1: you play poker in real life, but
0: like the online poker was fun. It helped me figure out how good I am at poker very mm-hmm. fast. Yeah. But the things that I like about poker are nothing to do with, like, the winning of the money. It's the sitting at the table and the interactions Mm -hmm. and the, like, learning other people and how they, like, try to communicate and or manipulate. That's so much
1: more you than, like, playing. Yeah. Because you got to get your fix.
0: But, yeah, online poker was the first thing that they attacked, like, this online gambling. It wasn't really poker. It was online gambling. Mm -hmm. They came at it hard and everybody was finding ways around it. And Bitcoin was actually part of the solution at that time. Right? But it was so minuscule and there was really no no one was really playing poker I'm for so Bitcoin, now. right? Um, where you have to bet like hundreds of thousands of Bitcoin to have like any real monetary value for what the game was about. Um, but like you could not just transfer money into any of those sites. It just became impossible. And then one day, because magically, the laws changed yeah. and people got paid off and everything kind of got settled all of a sudden, DraftKings. All of a sudden, online poker everywhere.
1: And casinos everywhere all around the country.
0: And and I would argue that that was the government extorting those successful online businesses to say, we're going to make your business illegal until you pay us.
1: And if you're not because in America... The
0: business, sorry. Because the business was functioning fine. <laughs> yeah. If you
1: weren't... If you aren't in America... Um, You don't know this, but like there used to only be a couple of places in America where you could gamble. And then over the past decade, so many states have legalized gambling um, that just actually the hubs where gambling was legal have really suffered economically um, because there's just no reason to go to those places anymore. They had no other draw except for their casinos.
0: People used to drive two hours, three hours from D.C. to go to either... West Virginia or Atlantic City. Yeah. Now we got a casino right here.
1: 20 minutes away.
0: 20 minutes away. You can take an Uber. Yep. You can get hammered. You can be hammered at a bar and be like, let's go play some poker. And in 40 minutes, you're at a table. Yeah. No one's going to West Virginia anymore. Yeah. None of these DC high rollers are going to West Virginia or Atlantic City. Degenerates, maybe. D- yeah. <laughs> but if you're just a casual gambler, it's right here now. And
1: those places are rough. They are decrepit. Yeah. Uh, whereas the new casinos are nicer. So, I mean, yeah, a lot has changed. <clears> and there's just, it's a completely different ball game.
0: The government is just an extorter. Like, I can make your business illegal tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Pay me. Pay me in taxes. So these casinos, they pay the taxes. These weed dispensaries, they pay the taxes. They pay for the licenses. So they pay whatever they got to pay so they can run their business. The problem is that with Bitcoin, bringing it back to Bitcoin, they're not shutting down Bitcoin. They can only pass laws that shut down the exchanges, the casinos, right? They can shut down Coinbase if they want to, which that's one of the stories we should talk about. They can shut down Binance. They can shut down FTX. Well, FTX shut itself down. The government can come in and shut those businesses down. They can't shut down the underlying network of Bitcoin. So all these things that they're doing are just showing how resilient Bitcoin is to government coercion and corruption and takeover which is going to cause everyone who wants to get out of that game to just move faster into it. They're shooting themselves in the foot. It's not going to work out. The United States is going to probably pass some version of this and they're going to go after Bitcoin hard and it's going it's to totally mess up the United States economy even more, unfortunately. But it's not about TikTok. Everything on that TV screen that they're talking nothing in the news about TikTok is about TikTok. Just know that for a fact.
1: Oh, I've, I've been known. Yeah. So let's quickly talk about ChatGBT because, um, fun fact, Ian used ChatGBT to generate the description for our last episode, and he'll probably do it for this one as well. What do you think?
0: We'll see. I need to find something that will transcribe the episode it's very challenging to use chat to write a summary for a podcast without giving it a transcript of the podcast but the problem is that the transcript is so long because we record about an hour that if i feed the whole transcript in chat is like bro come on i i can't do anything with this so i need to find how some... do you
1: think i feel
0: <laughs> we are human yeah versus a computer A human can listen to an hour of audio and take something away from it. A computer, all it's going to do is listen to an hour of audio, generate that transcript.
1: Well, that's not what these tech leaders are are hinting at. They're saying that, you know, OpenAI is getting out of control and we need to take a step back.
0: There's two different things happening. One is with the company OpenAI. The other is with... These AI models. So, what you've been hearing about and what you've been talking about is they're talking about OpenAI the company. Mm-hmm. So, a little bit of story about OpenAI the company, just so that you're on the same page and maybe you'll understand why these guys are saying this. OpenAI the company started as a non-profit. Mm-hmm. It started as a non-profit because people were concerned about where AI was going, namely Elon Musk. And said, we think that all AI technology should be open sourced so that no one gets like an upper hand and creates Terminator robots. Right. Mm -hmm. So all the research that's being done, you know, we're going to publish it under this, you know, open AI nonprofit. And then a couple years later, they converted to a for profit. And uh, the CEO of the company, uh, Sam Altman, basically said that, like, look, it's easy to do the research for cheap, but to actually... Implement this stuff after you've done the research to prove that your research was correct, that just requires a lot of money for computers and stuff like that. So we need to um, we need to have a way to get money so that we can prove out our research. And so he went out and raised, I think like this is before he became a for profit, but he went out and raised, I think he said like a hundred million dollars as a nonprofit, which was like an absurd amount of money for a nonprofit to raise. Mm-hmm. Like that's tech company money. Yeah. But he raised it as a nonprofit. Okay, after converting to a for-profit, he does this partnership with Microsoft. And if you read the language of the partnership, Microsoft basically bought OpenAI. Mm-hmm. But they didn't buy OpenAI, right? Because they have some weird financial investment deal where like Microsoft can only make so much money off the investment. And it's capped at 100x. They put in a billion dollars. hmm the the amount of money they can pull out of this, they're capped.
1: It's a hundred billion. Is a hundred
0: billion. Okay. Right? Anything over a hundred billion goes to the nonprofit.
1: So <laughs> this is like the founding idealists for open AI against Microsoft. Is that the battle that's happening right now?
0: This is there's a couple of things that are going on. Elon Musk is involved in this for sure for two reasons. Number one, he was going to do what OpenAI was, and then someone started OpenAI, and he just said, "Fine, as long as it exists, that's great." I
1: thought he was a part of it initially.
0: A part of it, like it's all—it's all relative. Yeah. But the point is, is that like he was on board for the nonprofit creation, and mm-hmm. he was supportive of that. This is an obvious Microsoft way of bu- roundabout buying a nonprofit. Like, you can't buy a nonprofit. Like, so, outright.
1: what if, so, what about the uh, angle of like, well, they're just jealous that Microsoft did it? Like, they hate us because they ain't us. And Microsoft's sitting there like, we thought of this first. Sorry.
0: No. So, what's happened without, we got to get a little bit deeper into like this partnership that they've created because it's basically on par with like the scam that is Ethereum. Hmm. So what they did was they have this nonprofit sitting alongside this for profit entity. That's the same structure that Ethereum has. They have the Ethereum Foundation, and then they have like Ethereum, the marketing team, and all that fun stuff, right? The nonprofit is in charge mm-hmm. of what can happen with the for profit business, right? Um, same thing as Ethereum. And the people that control the nonprofit are are supposed to be separate from the people who control or have say in the for profit because fundamentally this nonprofit entity is in charge of everything and microsoft doesn't own that mm-hmm. they're just invested in this like subsidiary of this nonprofit
1: like, they're not more powerful than all of these other players.
0: Right. But what do you get when you put a billion dollars into anything? Yeah. It's control. Yeah,
1: complete control.
0: So, like, Elon and these guys are saying, if you want to start a for-profit company, start a for-profit company. If you want to do that, do that. But you can't hack and steal open AI through this this convoluted partnership.
1: But that's not what they're saying. They're saying take a six-month pause so we can assess like what's happening because we're going down a dangerous path.
0: Yeah, that's that's hype. That's hype. This is all about business.
1: Okay, right. Yeah, that, so that's that, a lie.
0: That, well, it's not a lie. It's not a lie. But by saying we should take a pause, what, the, what, he, what they're really saying is we should pause so that they don't actually do this whole acquisition thing and Microsoft end up owning OpenAI.
1: Why don't they just say that?
0: because they have to scare people. That's how everything works. If people aren't afraid, they don't care. So he creates this fear, which is a valid fear, it's just not six months of fear. Like that is an existential threat for humanity in general and that's how these things tie into Bitcoin. been playing with ChatGBT and I've been playing with this like image generating tool called Mid Journey. Between Mid Journey and ChatGBT you can produce most social media content full stop. Obviously there's some learning curves to both of them like how to make them do what you want them to do but once you learn how to like make ChatGBT write a summary from a transcript in a very concise way that's kind of in your voice now all you have to do is produce transcripts. Right. Like you don't have to sit and think about it every time um, with mid journey. Same thing. Like once you have like your prompts, um, it can keep generating s- similar images for you. You know, if you had a theme, right? Like if we had a theme for flirting with Bitcoin. We wanted all of our images, whatever we posted to like fit that theme. You would have to learn how to make mid journey do that. But Like once,
1: l- learn the commands that you have to. Yeah. Make. They're called prompts. prompts. Right? Okay.
0: And so like you could and all the prompts are different and um, the ordering matters, right? And how you phrase things and stuff like that. It's a, it's a programming language of itself. Uh, there's this one guy on Nostr, uh, I think his name is Igor and he posts these like Nostrich pictures which are like ostriches and like different things like wearing like a bomber jacket and like sunglasses or whatever.
1: in the color theme of no- Nostra which is like purplish.
0: I mean the color theme yeah. is just part of it. My point that I'm getting at is like He's been doing that for so long that I know that he's doing it in mid-journey, but I also know that it's him doing it in mid-journey, mm-hmm. right? Like, he's got a prompt that gets him roughly what he wants, and then he tweaks it a little bit to get these, like, variations of the image. So I can't I could can go on mid-journey, the website, and you could see, basically, the prompt that someone uses, I think, for the most part. Every time they change the, the engine for mid-journey, so they just, they just moved to version 5 a couple weeks ago, I guess, the same prompts produce different pictures now. So you as the artist are constantly learning how to communicate with the new version of the engine to generate the images that you want. Now, take that and couple that with Chat ChatGBT, and you could use Chat ChatGBT as your actual interface layer into generating those prompts for you, right? And so there's this thing in Chat ChatGBT where you can teach it like a formula. Mm-hmm. It's like a template. And I was playing with this the other day where it was like there's a thing called mid journey, and I kind of you kind of explain it to explain to ChatGBT what mid journey is, and then you say, like, using this format, generate me some prompts. Mm-hmm. And it generated like five prompts for me.
1: Wow.
0: Right? And so now all you gotta do on the other side of that is you don't have to even know about mid journey. You have an interface into ChatGBT or something like it that says, generate me an image of and it generates the prompts. And then it passes them into mid-journey. So
1: why does this scare you?
0: Well, um, once you automate things like social media to that level, right? Because it could also write whatever you want to put as the text for this social media yeah. also, right? So once you've automated all of that, what's really content? What What's really human ideas and what are just being generated by these computers that are being trained by the data set that's being generated by the computers?
1: Yeah, I mean, I totally hear that, but the other side of this is, like, there's so much effort that people are putting into creating yeah. social media content, and most of it is um, made by marketing companies, uh-huh. like, the actual companies, or, you know, there's not a lot of actual content creators that are creating social media content a lot of it is companies people are hiring someone to do their social media so I think it's like I don't want to say this because I don't want to diminish like the career of somebody or like a whole industry but it really is like a ridiculous amount of energy that you have to put towards something and I think as consumers content consumers we're all we're all like realizing most of the stuff we see out there are not actually created by the poster the person who's posting it or the account that's posting it so like that's great you can have AI generate mm-hmm. that stuff good let's use our brains for something more important than that
0: right and so that's where Nostra and Zaps come in right so on Nostra you know Domus is just a client for Nostra mm-hmm. but um, just like on Twitter, you can like something on Domus, you can or Nostra, you can send Bitcoin. Yeah. Right. So you see something that, you know, is corporate media trash. Would you send it any money versus I see an image from Igor? I know it's him. I know he's using Midjourney, but it's still him. And I like that image. I'm sending Igor money. I'm not sending an advertising marketing company money. Uh-huh. I'm sending it directly to a person. Now, I would argue that eventually marketing companies will just create plants and make you think that they're individual people and right the cycle continues. And that's where like meeting people in public and the thing like Nostra Nostra Rica that just happened last weekend in in Costa Rica, um, meeting people in person and getting back to like, if I haven't met you in person, you're not a real person. And as many people want to follow Kim Kardashian, no one's met her. Mm -hmm. She's not a meetable person. Right? Like, she's been on TV our whole lives. You can't meet TV people. Then she takes to the internet. You definitely meet internet people. I've never met her, but
1: I've been like a foot away from her.
0: Sure, sure, sure. But you've never spoken to her.
1: I haven't. But before she was super famous, she did like a club event and I went. (laughs) And she was right there. She looked very different back then, but...
0: They all did. Yeah. Um, but my point is, is that like what's happening right now with Bitcoin is that the smart people are getting it. Literally intelligent people are getting it first. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to parting with it, because they understand what it is, um, they're not just going to give it away willy dilly for like a McDonald's post. Right. But there are people that are monetizing their social media presence purely through Bitcoin. I mean, we're one of them. I mean, we didn't make a lot. But compared to people that have zero Bitcoin, we made a lot of Bitcoin last year. And we're, we're on track to like make more Bitcoin this year. But like people that are listening to our podcast that send us Bitcoin, that is a completely different thing than a like.
1: Well, let's take it off of like Bitcoin um, and Nostra and Fountain, those types of things. Let's say you figure out how to use ChatGPT and I'm sorry, this other... Uh,
0: Mid-Journey.
1: Mid-Journey. And you are a content creator and th- and you get a product that um, you get a sponsorship cl- a contract with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe eventually Mid-Journey also creates videos. Like, you could be a content, cr- content creator and not actually have to ever take a photo of anything.
0: Uh, and you
1: could get sponsorships. You could make a ton of money. Maybe the- before companies figure that out.
0: I mean, this is all technically possible and it probably will happen. I think that content creators aren't going away. I think that content creators are just going to become more independent. Like if we're going to talk about content creators as like artists, right? So there's like this big movement in the last like four or five years where like independent rappers, it's like a thing coming back, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it's a big thing because like, Everyone realized like, yeah, you got your favorite rapper and then he gets famous and all of a sudden he's like a corporate shill. Why did that happen? Well, he needed the money. What if he never needed the money, right? And so I think that content creators, their content isn't music. We don't go to content creator concerts, right? But like if you have someone who produces a podcast or just produces a good image every day or whatever, like if that's what they want to do, they have a way to make money that they never did before and... They won't have to shill products. Yeah. That's what I think the change is going to be. I agree.
1: I think that progression is happening on platforms uh, like Fountain and Nostra. Yeah. So
0: that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that the corporate marketing types will eventually create their fake content creators Mm -hmm. to push their marketing business through. But I think that those people get caught really fast because there's going to be a community of content creators. They're like, we don't know this guy. Yeah. And especially don't know him if we've never met him. He never came to CreatorCon 2042, right? Like <laughs> Remember that right? episode like,
1: of Community? Shout out to Community. If you guys haven't watched it, you should watch it. Um, where they, uh, on the uh, community college campus, uh, Subway wants to open a sandwich shop, but they have this like rule that uh, 50% ownership of any restaurant has to be owned by a student. <laughs> and so Subway, like pay someone to become subway the corporation yeah 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 like that show is just ahead of its time
0: but we all saw it coming right like they just were willing to say it out loud right that's why for us for example like obviously we didn't go to a lot of stuff last year because you were pregnant we're probably not going to go to stuff a lot of stuff this year because we have an infant but like that's why we need to get to these bitcoin events because i know well, no one's said it to me officially, but like I know that it's like y'all aren't real. We've never met you. Yeah. But once you go to those things, that people see you and meet you, they know that you're a real person. See they see
1: how charming Ian is.
0: Well, no, they just they verify that you're a real person. Then it's like, yeah, you're part of the, you're officially part of the community. Mm-hmm. That's where those corporate companies will fail. Mm-hmm. They're gonna be stupid and they're just gonna have someone pop up and be like the most influential influencer out of nowhere, yeah. just like they do with all these crappy artists. Yeah. Right? I remember one time, a long time ago, but there was this article that was talking about this artist. It was a singer, and Sony Music spent $5 million on this guy total. He sold like a thousand records, but his face was all over New York City, mm-hmm. all over London, all over Tokyo massive marketing budget right all of a sudden he's what everyone's talking about didn't sell a single record that's what they're going to do with content creators they're going to pop up out of nowhere yeah. and I'm not I'm not accusing him of this but like Mr. Beast I'm sure you've heard of him yeah. right out of nowhere but he had to tell his story multiple times so people believed that he was like not that <laughs> I
1: still don't really know who he is but I, he I've just, heard of him yeah he, he gives up away a lot of stuff he
0: gives away a lot of stuff but like he has basically been bored of the internet understood the entire mechanism of how you growth hack it and just did all of those things Mm -hmm. and saw the results. And then everyone goes, he's a plant. (laughs) It's like, well, yeah, I guess if I was that successful, you'd think I was a plant. But someone had to do it first. I'm not saying he did it first, but like, you know who Mr. Beast is. He did something. Yeah, Bitcoin, the currency unit, is what's going to keep all of that in check because the way that Sony promoted that guy was through borrowed money. Yeah. Right? That artist ended up in debt. (laughs) He owed five, you know, like, it wasn't real money to begin with that paid for all that advertising. Mm -hmm. With Bitcoin, there's going to be a lot less debt And because it's going to be a lot less debt, it's going to be a lot harder to just pump something up that's not good at all.
1: I also think we are experiencing often like natural growth, like actual things that go viral. And like we get why something has gone viral. So when we see something pushed on us, we don't really understand why. Like our spidey senses tingle and we're like, "Mm, this looks like a plant. Yeah. Whereas if something has like, I don't know, 20 million views And you watch it, you're like, yeah, this was great. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. This is like a solid six seconds of content that like made me smile and I get it. Whereas sometimes you can look at something and be like, why am I seeing this so much on my whatever? Someone's pushing it. Someone paid for this to be pushed into my face.
0: I think the best example that we have of that, like before content creators and influencers, are, uh terry tate the office linebacker and um the old spice commercials mm-hmm. and technically the 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 shaving commercials as well i forget what it they... sounds
1: like these are things that are marketed more to men because i don't know
0: well uh, yes, what Terry
1: Tate is
0: terry tate's an old 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 like thing i forget what they read even... i'm so
1: young honey like no it's, it's like my time <laughs> terry tate like
0: might even I don't say predate YouTube, but it's, like, around the beginning of YouTube. That's why it's, like... Again,
1: I'm so young. I right. Well.
0: <laughs> um, but anyway, these are commercials that I remember. Yeah. They were obviously done by a marketing team. Yeah. Right? But they're commercials that I remember, and they're still funny yeah. to today. Something that, like, was done by a marketing team isn't necessarily bad. It's True, when it's yeah. forced on you, and it's not good. Yeah, why
1: do I keep saying like, this? Like, Terry Tate yeah. was
0: hilarious. Like, you wanted those commercials, Oh it, it was ESPN, that's what it was. So these were commercials on ESPN. Yeah. Um, I think that
1: people was, just like liked.
0: They liked, yeah. So like you'd cut to commercial and there was like a specific type of opening and you would stick around to watch the Terry. It was like the
1: Caveman Geico commercials. Yes, a lot people of people liked it so much they tried to make a show out of it. Exactly. It did not do well, but people were very excited about the show.
0: Exactly. But yeah. were they though?
1: That's true. I will tell you the other one. Sounds
0: like that Sony artist.
1: I'll tell you guys, the other one that I stand by is the Kardashians. Because I actually used to really be entertained by the Kardashians. And then I decided I wasn't anymore. I would say about four or five years ago. And I've, for years, gone on all my social media and where you can hit not interested. Whenever I see them on my feed and they come up, I will hit not interested And even on TikTok, you can, um, then they give you the option to go into further and they show like what was tagged in that post and you can select what you don't want to see anymore. I have been doing this for years. They still show me Kardashian content. Yeah. It is insane how hard it is to escape them. They are pumping so much money into all of these platforms to stay relevant. Yeah. None of it is organic.
0: To keep it on Bitcoin... Once you hit a certain point in your, like, wealth accrual, you basically have infinite money because you can always borrow more money. Kim Kardashian's a billionaire. She can borrow whatever she wants. Yeah. So what? She keeps pumping your money back in, but she can still acquire this debt. Yeah. She could, you know. So, like, that's the game that's been going on. That's the game that Bitcoin is breaking because it, it removes a lot of that debt from the system. Without going too deep into like the financials of that, like Bitcoin and this AI, they kind of go together uh, without this anchoring of Bitcoin so that everyone has a frame of reference for the value of things. AI is just going to start to eat all all things that all all communication. Mm -hmm. It's just going to eat it all. We've digitized all our communication. And now to inject an AI that could pretty much hold a conversation with you indefinitely. In about five years, no one will be able to tell the difference. I think we're already there now. Like stupid people can't tell the difference if they don't know that the thing just said something objectively false, <laughs> right? Uh, in five years, you're not gonna you're not gonna have to talk to people if you don't want to. So like, how many people's jobs are just communicating? How many customer service jobs are Going Like, you India. Look,
1: yeah, I understand all of that. That's why it's but, scary. But I still think that if you look at decades ago and you say, oh, technology is going to take people's jobs. That's not what happened. It's just the work changes. So I do think that the work is going to change. I also think if there's a recalibration of, like, what we value as a society, maybe uh-huh. bringing it back to Bitcoin. Like, if we have this recalibration, that's supposed in line with Bitcoin, right? Where, like, we value the food that we eat, the work life balance, prioritizing family, um, education, those types of things. and like, we could actually fill up jobs in that space more than what we've been, you know, assigning value or maybe like an increased workforce towards. Like, I I don't necessarily think AI taking customer service jobs means that there aren't going to be jobs in society.
0: I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that Let's let's use a different let's use a different uh, time period. There was a time period where over ninety percent of the world was farmers, and then everyone started moving into the cities. Mm-hmm. Right? There's fewer farmers. We have more food. Right? So obviously the work changed. But the other industry that they found wasn't necessarily farming, but it was still labor intensive. Mm-hmm. They went from farming to manufacturing. That's muscle, mostly men. Right? Intelligent men went in you know, into the cities and became bankers and lawyers and doctors. But, like, there was still this underlying just raw muscle talent um, for men. The customer service world is a little bit different because it's not mostly men and it's not a labor-intensive job. It is a communications and
1: soft skills.
0: So the question becomes, you know, we always need to build roads and bridges and tunnels and maybe the tools get better and better and we need fewer Men and and muscle, actual muscle to do things. But when it comes to this customer service job, what's either next or what's the alternative to it? And I just don't see like an alternative. The customer service job was like this weird thing we needed to get us from, to, to basically onboard everyone to technology, to the internet, right? Like that's what customer service is. Help, I'm having a problem with this new technology. I want to use it. I want to use the bank online. I want to use uh, uh, Facebook. I want to use all these tools that are on the internet, but I need help. You know, if it was up to Microsoft, they would just own OpenAI. That'd be the only company that had this capability, which is kind of extreme way of saying that. But like if it was up to Microsoft, they'd want to be the only person that had an AI, mm-hmm. right? If it was up to me, I'd want to be the only person that had an AI, right? <laughs> if this one piece of software that's written and maintained by, let's be aggressive and say a thousand people, can replace hundreds of thousands if not millions of jobs that's going to happen really fast it took a while for all those farmers to become manufacturers a lot of those farmers didn't become manufacturers but their kids did right that was a slow and gradual process yes maybe world war ii like in the world the world wars kicked it up a notch but that was a gradual process from agrarian to industrial this transformation once AI gets it, it's going to be a decade tops before all those jobs are gone. And why I say that's scary is because I do believe that the work will change. I do believe there are other jobs. But historically, we've had a lot of time for that transition. Yeah. And this AI transition is going to happen fast. Like, there's going to be a day where cars don't drive themselves. And then Elon's going to get on stage. He's going to go, guys, we solved the problem. And then there's going to be the day that cars do drive themselves. And then it's going to be 10 years when there until there are no taxi drivers Mm -hmm. it's just you know you know what i'm saying so like these changes once once the software is finished and is capable it's only a matter of like how fast can we get it into everything
1: yeah but i think then like the job is gonna be like being able to write the right prompts or review the right prompts or to be able to review the outputs like i i think that there will always be I don't disagree. work to do and it's just adapting the workforce to not solely rely on the technology and to be able to like review the technology and right. i think but- right now we have the majority of people who are still not using technology right so i i think we just couldn't get the majority of like i don't know i would say like mainstream workforce not like Not like engineers or really technology experts. I don't even know what the term is. But most people that use technology for their jobs are not good at it.
0: Using the technology or their job?
1: Both. Right? (laughs) Like they're not... Like I at work use Microsoft Outlook and there's so many times where I'm doing a screen share and people are like, "Whoa, what did you just do? And I'm like, I used this feature Mm -hmm. and they're like, oh, I never knew that. And I've been using Microsoft Office Suite for maybe almost 20 years and it's always existed. You know, like that feature has always existed. So I actually see something like chat GPT helping people get done what they need faster because our existing technology right now is a little bit too complicated. And some people aren't sophisticated or smart enough to understand how to use it. Me definitely being one of them, I don't use like the technology that's available to me to the fullest. I don't use my phone in the best way I possibly could. But when you have something that's as simple as like a conversation with technology, I think we'll get there faster. But I still think that there's going to be a huge learning curve to getting people to understand how to use it. And I think the people like you, like what you're doing right now and exploring what it can, what it can do for, for you or for us, for our podcast, for example, and those types of things, I think you are delving into what's going to then be a, a career itself for people, which is how can I get OpenAI to do what I need it to do?
0: I agree with what you're saying. I, I do think that things like ChatGBT, it probably won't even be ChatGPT. I think I think it's going to be a different company. I think they have a head start, but so did MySpace, so did Friendster, True. right? So, uh, so showing your
1: age, baby.
0: T- so did Facebook. Yeah. Right. Like. Yeah. So I don't think that Open OpenAI is going to be the company. It's mm-hmm. going to be it's, this is the Friendster. You know, um, this is the. Uh, Ask Jeeves, if you will. Um, But the the point here is that like when it is successful, it's going to make all of the jobs that people have answering phones. Gone. Just gone. You're talking about like floors of Indians in India. Mm -hmm. Gone. Unnecessary. Now, maybe those people working those jobs right now see the writing on the wall and they're like, man, I need to get into this AI game. Man, I need to learn how to code man, I need to whatever. That's not happening. So it's going to be fast and it's going to be abrupt. And industries like call centers are going to get brutalized. And there's a lot of literal cities in India that are dependent on call centers. There's a lot of economies that are dependent on call centers. So when you pull the plug on something like that in a short period of time, it doesn't just replace itself. That's why I say this is scary. It's not that I think the the AI being able to have a conversation with a human is scary. I think it's scary that the speed at which it's going to implement its change because it's going to be not a brand new thing. It's just a new layer on the things that we already use, right? It's just adding to our technology stack where we finally have, you know, the Star Trek computer where it's like, computer, I need, and right now it's textual, but it'll be able to do other things later. But like I can already literally say into the remote for our television, I can control the lights in our house. That's not even AI, right? Like that's a whole bunch of configuration that I did. I know. (laughs) But, you know, when Google gets their AI working, because right now they call it assistant and it's really just turning your, your words into API calls. But when it doesn't turn your words into API calls, when it interprets what you said and literally can interact with those things, people will be able to use those things, surely. But... That technology that you're using is going to displace so many other jobs that it's like, yeah, I think it's cool that my iPhone or my Android phone got better. And I'm not even thinking about like, well, what does that mean for New Delhi? Yeah. Right. So I think that it'll be very apparent once Elon and Tesla solve this autonomous car problem. Um, I think they're really close. And, you know, Elon's building a, a robot. So it's like, which is more scary A robot that can replace that human labor part of the equation, right? And now we got this AI that can replace the soft skills part of the equation. Like, what? Yeah. Like, forget if they have guns. You know, it's not like... We don't need this to be like a Terminator situation. Mm -hmm. This is an economic Terminator situation, right? Like, if Elon Musk can build a factory that is powered 95% by these robots and can make the same amount of cars that they're currently making. And oh, by the way, I own all the robots (laughs) and I own the factory that makes the robots that go into my factory that make the cars. Like at what point, like, you know, those farmers that went to manufacturing, they're done.
1: Look, I hear everything that you're saying, but you're suggesting that like the evolution of the farming industry in America has given us better outputs and it hasn't. The quality of food has drastically diminished. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So I think where we have a lot of like fiat, fake, whatever money going into these technology industries where you have you call centers and the yada, yada, yada. No, there needs to be like value shifted back to agriculture. And it not being like a huge industry and having it be more downsized in terms of scale mm-hmm. so that we can improve the quality of food, so that we can improve the quality of our health mm-hmm. and all of those things. I think that needs to happen while these jobs that society didn't need decades ago, we didn't need call centers. We didn't need these huge companies to outsource customer service so that somebody who's trying to order... A piece of garbage from a catalog has someone to talk to when they're, you know, that's what these call centers are doing. They're not really adding value to society in the way that smaller scale farming systems in a local area could do.
0: Your point is just things should be smaller, like everything should be a little bit smaller. My point
1: is not that things should be smaller. My point is that jobs should move back to where jobs were decades before the internet existed. Yes. I'm- or technology existed, electricity existed. Like we need to fully staff healthcare. We need to fully staff education. We need to fully staff childcare. We need to fully staff a lot of things right now that are that have shortages and that are understaffed. And that as a society, we will always see value in. Like childcare.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You can't have a robot do that. You just
0: can't. I think you underestimate what robots can do. Maybe. But you say we're just gonna stick on I'm <laughs> gonna gonna stick to this one point since we just had a child, childcare. Right? Yeah. Child care used to be fully staffed because women didn't have jobs. Okay. So like that's like like if we're gonna say we need to staff childcare, like sure we could hire people to do it. But like, what, who cares more than the kid's mother? Sure,
1: but what about education of children? The size of classrooms again keeps getting worse and worse and worse. So let's talk about 12-year-olds okay. and the education that they get. Having enough teachers for 12-year-olds in a community.
0: I don't think we have a problem with the number of teachers and classroom size. I think our educational system is a little bit more a little more deeply flawed than the size of the actual classroom. I don't think that that's fixable. Like, I just don't think that that's fixable. We we could try to fix it. The only way to fix it is to stop tinkering with it. Like.
1: I'm not talking about, oh, if there were just more people doing this. I'm saying if you paid more people to do this.
0: But and, we are paying, that's my point.
1: And that we place more value on that and we have more funding for it. And so instead of putting funding towards development of the local economy, so you have businesses that come in that aren't actually adding value to those businesses and they're outsourcing, which yada yada yada, it's like, no, within this community, mm-hmm. there's 100 people, 20 of them are part of the education. 40 of them are part of agriculture, which I mean it should be it should be that percentage. Let's not even just talk about farming. Let's talk about like restaurants and food. Right, like okay. having the, you know, who's, actually, who's
0: making all these decisions?
1: I would go back to Bitcoin where you have actual uh value reallocated to things that people actually value and need. And you're not in this like mm-hmm. consumerism mindset where money is not really real and there's a lot of debt and so people are spending money that they don't have on things that they don't actually
0: need we just jump from like child care education to consumerism i'm going to stick with education right so when you're saying like in this community like x number of people need to be educators who's deciding that that's my point like who makes that decision
1: the people who are good at that who are they no, I'm saying if you are a good teacher, okay, just like if you're a good farmer.
0: Who decides that you're a good teacher?
1: Who are the parents who take their kids to that school?
0: Okay, now
1: just like a childcare center. No, no, no I'm making I'm, the I'm, same I'm trying thing to reverse. It's like if you have options. I'm, if it's not, I'm if trying
0: if, to reverse if, engineer this train of thought though. Okay. Right. So like, so you're for school choice.
1: It's not that I'm for school choice. But this only
0: works with school choice.
1: No, I think it goes to where you're hiring teachers and it's not out of no, desperation because... or it's it's not out of, oh, you're you're getting someone who's who's willing to work for $28,000 a year mm-hmm. because the people who want a higher salary can get a different paying job or they actually leave the education industry altogether. They go and they work for some type of for-profit educational institution sure yeah like that's what i'm saying it's where we say like no these are the most valuable jobs in our community and so we, we pay a lot for it and we get people that are really really good and experienced at it we don't get someone straight out of college
0: and who decides how much they get paid
1: the people who are hiring the
0: and who hired those people
1: oh i'm sorry who decides how much those people get paid or who gets to hire them
0: both who decides how much the teachers get paid? Who decides to hire which teachers?
1: the the, the community the, the the local government.
0: The local government and who elected those people? The people. Okay, so why did we do that whole runaround? I should be able to decide how my child is educated, full stop.
1: Well, sure you can. Right. That's but, also an option. But if but, but, there's a if there's a, a local like tying education to childcare, right before they're a certain age. If you have a lot of different childcare options, you can go and pick the one that works best for you. Whereas if you have limited childcare options,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you have to just pick whatever's available.
0: What I, what I'm getting at is these programs and these these things that you're describing, education, childcare, healthcare. These are all things that I don't have any say in at all. I don't decide who hires the teachers. The teachers are already there. Mm-hmm. I don't get to go into a school and fire teachers. So I have to go into a school hoping that the teachers are good. And if they're not, okay, fine. I take my kid out, right? But suppose I found a teacher at one school that I liked and I found a teacher at another school that I liked, right? These are two good teachers teaching two different subjects, math and social studies. Why is it that, uh, again, my kid has to suffer and pick one or the other? Why is it that these teachers are only teaching in these schools where I have to then pick which school I send my kid to. Why is it not that teachers are just independent educators and if you're good, you'll make money. And if you're not good, <laughs> the market will tell you,
1: that was stop, burping.
0: <laughs> stop being a teacher because you're not good. That's the problem with education is that you can have good teachers and bad teachers mixed in and you have to pick and choose, well, okay, this school is good at math, so I guess my kid can count, but he won't be able to read, right? Like, I'm being facetious there, but, like, that's what you're really deciding when it's like, oh, this school has good math teachers but not good science teachers, which is, like, would be weird because they're kind of the same thing, but, like, not good, uh, right? If there was a Bitcoin for Kids program, I would put them in it. And, And anything else that I thought was important that I wanted my kid to learn about, I would gladly pay for that. Don't tax me and then tell me what my kid's going to learn and tell me who, who's going to teach my kids and then tell me I'm being crazy when you're teaching my kids something that I don't want you teaching them, right? Like that's the world that we live in.
1: Yeah, but I, I think you're going on a, like a tangent of what I'm trying to get at where, it, where I'm saying you will have more people. Available for that industry if you pull people out of the customer service
0: jobs. Maybe. But only if we get to this point where people can individually decide that they want to be an educator. If you still are not, if you have to be in a school to teach kids, that part right there, that licensing, all that schooling, all this stuff you have to do, that's why we don't have a bunch of teachers. But
1: that's not... I don't think that's necessarily true. I think the education industry is rapidly changing and it ties in with childcare, but I think that there's more growth that can happen in the childcare industry at like a younger age because people can like jump into it and there's different schools of thought on how to raise kids from zero to five And the government isn't required to be in that space. And so you see a lot of like different options and different things that people try out. And I think that's where that initial growth can happen. But that's only if like as a society, we're saying like, hey, this is where we need to be focusing our money on. And I think that happens in more affluent areas. That does happen in more affluent areas, where you have a ton of different childcare options, but in other areas, you only have one or two.
0: Yeah, I mean, in affluent areas, like, childcare is just like cable. It's just a bill. So when it's just a bill, that means there's a bunch of money available for it, which will then find businesses that will try to soak up that money. There's no child care options in non-affluent areas because there's no additional money mm-hmm. for that. That's just, like, how everything is. There's no grocery stores in non-affluent areas either, right? Like, DC is, like, fighting a lawsuit because there's no grocery stores in Ward 7, right? Like, like fresh food available or whatever, right? So it's like, we as a society, like, I feel like that's, that's getting harder and harder to say uh, for, like, any topic about anything lately. I think what Bitcoin does is make you, as an individual... Decide, like, I want these things, and then you seek out your own solution. And that's something that I think the majority of society is not prepared for. The majority of society is not prepared to seek out all the solutions that the government does provide for you.
1: I hear you, but I also think, like, this sentiment that's been growing, which is, like, vote with your dollars... I think more people are thinking that way than have in the past. I think so too. So I think like all of these are things are happening and it's not in a vacuum. So I do think we might leave, you know, I'm optimistic about the future just generally. I think that it's, it could be a perfect storm where all of these things come and they're like, okay, these Jobs that all of a sudden we had a bunch of that I was just sitting at my computer not really doing anything and I was kind of basically doing what a computer could do but people are so stupid I had to walk them through it. Okay, AI is taking that. So like what do I actually want to do? What am I really passionate about? Like if I want to be a productive member of society what, where can I add value? And like right now maybe being a teacher is not something where people are valuing. Or right now, being someone who makes food, like, it, yeah, if you work in the food service industry, you don't make a lot of money. And like, food is very cheap. Food is getting more expensive right now. But just generally, like, food is a little cheaper than it needs to be. Um, it, and clothes is a little cheaper than it needs to be. All of those things, right? Like, if we recalibrate how much things actually cost, which Bitcoin is supposed to do, you know, like, over time, we go back to a more simpler way of life where we're not like heavy consumers of things that are made and shipped from another country and instead like as a society we are just using what each other is producing like products and services that our neighbors are making for us i think like all of this can kind of bring us back to that reality when we don't need jobs where we're sitting in office cubicles churning out things anymore because a computer can do that. You know, I bring this back to like because I did just have a baby and I'm breastfeeding right now. Like, there's no hack to it. With all of the scientific advancements, there's no hack to it. It's hard. It's labor intensive. I was actually thinking like, man, how do celebrities do it? If celebrities want to breastfeed, they have to do it. There's no hack around it. Unless you hire a wet nurse who breastfeeds for you, which... I'm sure some some very wealthy people do it. Um, you We've know, seen celebrities and wealthy people. But there's no hack around breastfeeding. It is hard. And even the pumps, you can buy the most expensive pump and it might not work for you. Like, there's no way that technology has made it, it's made it easier, but it's still very, very hard. Sure, ChatGBT can do all of those things. But if you are a parent or especially a mother, And you've gone through all of this and you want a healthy child, there's no hack to it. And I think the further we progress into science and access to information, the more human beings are going to want the best for their children based on the information that's out there. And the data just keeps showing like breast milk is the best formula is like a a scientific marvel, right? But if you can breastfeed try, right? But it's very hard. So I, I just, I think like that is the fundamental truth of so many things in the human experience. Like we're just animals and the natural way of doing something is usually the best for us. And so sure, chat is going to get rid of some jobs, but like you said, maybe it's going to reprioritize the childcare of children and making that as effective as possible. Because technology has removed the need to have people sit at their computers and respond to dumb questions from people, and also lets it po- be possible for men to be at home with their babies too, right?
0: Yeah, sure. We don't we don't know what the ramifications of adopting open of adopting any type of AI is going to be. Um, my core point is that it's going to be fast. Yeah and
1: fast and furious
0: and if it happens within the next five years we still have leadership that's about 80 years old yeah they're just not up to the task they're not um to really understand what it is and to not be afraid of it and to not create some crazy rules and regulations around it because they don't understand it and they want to control it and I think they're showing um their hand with how they're treating bitcoin but yeah no like these two topics Chat GBT, aka artificial intelligence, and the TikTok ban um, and Bitcoin, they're all symptoms of a similar problem. It's gonna be a bumpy ride, but the world that Keon is gonna live in, it's going to be wildly different than the world we lived in. And that, that sounds weird because, you know, like for my entire life, things have been pretty, pretty linear, pretty normal. We're on like a hundred year cycle. And so Keon's living in the next financial century of humanity is the best way to describe it.
1: Lucky him. Okay, babe, so I completely took over this episode. We didn't really get to talk about anything you wanted to talk about.
0: I mean, the TikTok thing I I did want to talk about because that that is the threat to Bitcoin right now. The TikTok story and the bill, the the House bill or Senate bill, whatever, um, that's kind of going along with that story through the media, that is the threat to Bitcoin. And that, in my opinion, is what they're going to use, ultimately use, to uh, try to kill it once and for all. We'll see if it... Yeah,
1: we'll see what plays out.
0: I mean, it's not going to work. It's just going to be interesting to see how it fails.
1: Yeah, they, every time they try to come for Bitcoin, it just shows how Bitcoin can't be come for. came for?
0: Yeah, how do I say I mean, that? And I mean, like, you know, I, I think that we'll see what at what point they um actually like kick off their their attack in earnest and we'll see the propaganda that they use but you know if bitcoin's reached a certain point by then which i think it will i think bitcoin hitting a million dollars they're gonna pull the they're gonna pull the trigger on whatever they have planned there's gonna be a lot of Bitcoiners that just don't care they're gonna be able to leave (laughs) like go ahead do whatever you want to do be an economic backwater, you know. <laughs> like, there's people who stayed in the Soviet Union when it collapsed.
1: Yeah, time will tell.
0: There's a lot of people that also went to France.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I will uh, say that I really enjoyed this discussion because, like I said, like I'm in kind of in, like a mental haze, and I'm just trying to wrap my head around being a new mom and breastfeeding honestly is like a whole other challenge in and of itself. But um it was cool to like catch up on these two things that I think are really fascinating and so in the mainstream and I knew that you would have like insights on it beyond what I was hearing about. So another successful flirting with Bitcoin uh talk with my husband with my baby boy in my hand cooing the whole time for our listeners. I hope you guys can just hear through the mic how adorable my baby is both of my baby we'll see ian and keon